0: The Israelites, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Judges chapter 4, verse 1, and chapter 13, verse 1, and a bunch of other places in Judges. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody, I'm Chris Dowd.
1: And I'm Reagan Gilliland.
0: And this is off script podcast where we used to say every week. We talked about the previous week's sermon. But that's not what we do anymore. That's nope. not how we roll. Mm-mm. Now we are recapping an entire series. And it's not just me and Reagan anymore. It is not. We have an interloper. Yes. Slash newcomer, slash another pastor. Yeah. Who are you? Can that, o-
2: <laughs> Can that be my be my official title? Interloper. Interloper. <laughs> yeah. I look great on a name tag. Yeah. That'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Reverend Julie Henson and I am the pastor to modern worship here.
0: Excellent. And when did you arrive?
2: When did I arrive? My spaceship touched down July second of twenty twenty three. Excellent. Yeah. And
0: you've known Reagan for a while.
2: A little while, yeah.
0: Apparently all were in seminary together.
2: We were. We were.
0: And you were talking about how Reagan would bring a backpack or a rolling (laughs) suitcase.
2: That's not true. I apparently was spreading a lot of false information. Holding Scott's
0: hand and rolling the suitcase with their books.
2: I did think she was really nerdy (laughs) in seminary. And I thought, who is this girl coming to class with her boyfriend? I guess it was her husband. (laughs) And then I decided she was cool. Yeah, you're welcome. And now she can't get rid of me.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah. So that it's fun that you guys are on staff together now.
2: Yep. It's fun for some people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. And it's really fun that we're talking about judges. I know you were very excited about preaching on judges before you came.
2: Oh, yes. Yes. It was I, like uh... one of
0: the highlights, one of the early mm-hmm. highlights of your time yeah. here at Christ United.
2: I have learned in my short time on staff that before I say yes to things, I should look at the entire year. <laughs> so like when I came on staff and said, yes, Chris, I would be happy to preach on whatever is already on yeah. the docket for the year. Mm. And first step, we've got judges.
0: Well, first step was something more fun.
2: Oh, that's true. We did have top of the charts. That was right. a blast. Right. That, was that, was good. that was a good time. Yeah. But
0: we're not recapping that one. We're recapping judges. And this is the first time. Ashley, when was the last time we did a podcast? All right, so th- this is the first time we've been back together since before Easter, yeah. which is kind of crazy. Wow. <clears throat> and a lot of stuff's happened since. Yes. Then, like the end of March, right? huh Basically. So, what's happened in your life, Reagan?
1: Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. <sighs> I feel like I had a really boring summer. Isn't that
2: so lame? Um Well you
0: went to Kansas for your vacation. Okay. So you know it's what? The Ipso Facto. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my fun week I spent in Kansas. In Kansas. Driving across the quarantine. It was amazing. <laughs> no, it's all um, family. It's all family.
1: Uh my daughter had her first season of softball. Excellent. And she's amazing. And um I guess Morgan would have turned one Okay, that's right after time, yeah. before we like after we stopped recording for the for the season,
2: and then is that a third child thing that you can't remember the third one's birthday?
1: Oh no, I remember. My mom didn't.
0: It's, oh. it's Jude who gets the shaft. You yeah. just look at his pictures and tell that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Sweet. <laughs> Today's his birthday. It's his, it birthday.
1: Is his birthday. Wait, what? Today, yeah. yeah.
0: Today Jude's birthday. Uh huh. Holy cow! See you did. How it. many? How many years? Four. He's four. Yeah. Huh. Excellent. Yeah.
1: But he has yet to have a party, so he is the middle uh-huh. child.
0: <laughs> bum, bum, ba, Sorry, you know. uh, but no,
1: anyway, it was a good summer, and I'm trying to think.
0: Well, can I humble brag what I've done since our last podcast? Yeah. So we went. We had Easter, which was great, uh-huh. and then a week later we went to Greece on a church trip for ten days. That was amazing. And then I went to Alaska for our family's vacation for a week. That was amazing. And then I went uh, hiking with Max, in my, my oldest son. In Philmont for eleven days, ten nights. Hiking, yeah, hiking. Ashley just said she feels like hiking is not a good term. Yeah, it was pretty intense, but it was ama- it was awesome. Like uh, you know, one of those lifetime memories.
2: Yeah, it was not glamping. It was <laughs> no, not no, even no, no, no. camping. You mainly were hiking and sleeping on the floor.
0: Uh, yeah, and
2: not showering and not showering.
0: Correct. All those things, right? Correct.
2: Yeah. yeah. That would be memorable.
0: <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I so could, we cool. could do a whole podcast about that
2: yeah we should someday
0: and then but you also went on vacation in between churches so you came from where
2: yeah so i came from rockwall and uh then took a couple of weeks off and my uh parents live in colorado at the very southern part of colorado in uh, right outside of antonito and so we went and spent almost 10 days with them uh, in beautiful colorado it it 70 highs of 70 and my son james just loves to be outside and so he could literally just live outside with his excavators and rocks and um we went not hiking we we take a thing called a gator you know that's like a golf golf cart but more of like a four-wheeler right yeah. yeah took our gator up in the mountains and saw some sights
0: wait a minute they don't talk like that in Colorado?
2: No, but they do in East Texas, uh, which is okay. where most of them came from, <laughs> to okay, Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we found the promised land. <laughs> Julie's from Lindale. I'm from Lindale, Texas.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
0: So, who's driving this boat? Is that going to be you, I ready think again?
1: I think I am. So, I get to interview, since you both were the blessed ones that got to preach on the book of Judges. So blessed. just dive <laughs> so blessed. into
0: mm-hmm. that. Now, wait, wait, let's clarify. We weren't really preaching on the book of Judges so much as a couple of characters. yes. From the Book of Judges, correct, right? Because mm-hmm. like, you can't really skip over this part of like so. The whole premise of the back to school series is that over the course of uh when I well, from whenever we started three or four years ago until I retire, mm-hmm. we're gonna do a survey of the major of like significant uh, characters in Scripture. And so we've done which ones we've done. We've Adam done and Eve. Adam and Eve. That was naked and afraid. Mm-hmm. That was Abraham. a fun series. Yes. And then the next week, next year was? Abraham and Sarah. Abraham and Sarah. It's complicated. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Last Moses week. and Miriam. Yeah. That was into the wilderness. hmm And so you leave off, like if, if Moses and Miriam is your, like where you're leaving off from, you kind of got to go through this period of Yeah, you got to go
2: through the judges. Of
0: the land, right? Yeah. And, um... Whitney, my wife, Whitney gave me a hard time because I said the week before this series started, I said, I've never preached on Judges. I don't really like the book of Judges. She's like, you are not selling the next sermon series very well. (laughs) We've about this for four weeks. And then at the end, when I was going over the the sermon we did, Samson, she's like, why? Again, why did you pick Samson? He doesn't sound like... So anyway, we'll we'll unpack all that. But the, the point is that this is like a two century long period of uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interim period, right. Between the the journey from slavery in Egypt until the establishment of a formal monarchy, there was this period of time where it was just, it was uh, not great. And so we called the kind of half jokingly called the series, the struggle bus, but it that kind of describes the whole book of yeah. judges.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that, yeah. back to school, I'm good. And struggle. What is something you struggled with as a kid? I'm just curious.
2: Something I struggled with as a kid, like with my faith or just no, in general? just in
1: general. I'll go. I say math. I was not good at math. Mm. I struggled with math. That was my struggle bus.
2: I know my multiplication so well. I can sing it to you. <laughs> I'm okay. Let me see. I don't know, Chris. What do you, What would you say?
0: Well, my, you know, my parents divorced when I was a kid, like a year and a half old. And mom remarried actually fifty years ago. Next year, so she'd been married forty nine years. So when I was little, when I was four, um, but we moved. So my stepfather worked for EDS. So we moved one year to New Jersey, then back to Dallas, lived in Garland, and then to Maryland. And then when we were in Maryland, we moved again to like a different home. So I we 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 moved around a fair amount, and so the whole awkward thing about being the new kid in school and having to make new friends and having to, you know, I I guess there's an advantage. You can certainly when you're a teenager, you can test out certain things that work for you and don't. And the stuff that didn't work for you at your old place, didn't have to come with you at the new place. So that's, I guess, good, but it's, uh, that's, that's always been a struggle. We actually had, uh, my best friend from uh high school was with us over the weekend and it just led, led to this kind of, Like self-reflection, like the boys were asking him what I was like in high school and that kind of thing. But I was only there at that high school for three years, so sophomore, junior, senior year. So I would say that, moving around.
2: Yeah, I didn't know that we had that in common. So, yeah, so parents divorced when I was really young as well. And we moved around a lot, not around the country a lot, but around the state of Texas a lot. <laughs> Which
0: is kind of like different parts of
2: the country. Yeah, that's true. And so I remember starting seventh grade at a new junior high and moving from Arlington to Lindale, Texas and that being just a huge culture shock and going into a school with kids who had all grown up together and been together since kindergarten. Um And even now talking about it when I refer to those different friends, it's in different stages. It's, oh, these were the ones in elementary school because mm-hmm. that was in a different place than in junior high than in high school. So yeah, I would say I had a lot of anxiety for the first day of school. I can always remember what I wore the first day. I never slept good that night before the first day of school. Um, I always put a lot of emphasis on that. Um, it always stressed me out, all the newness and change.
1: Is that how you felt the night before you started here? <laughs> what am not going to tell you
2: that. I mean, no, yes. Well, you know that because on my drive here that morning, I had picked out what I was going to wear for my first Sunday. And then I um, spilled foundation down my white shirt that first Sunday. Yeah, it's
1: a good start. Yeah.
2: And had to like have Kyle bring me a different shirt to wear. Now, luckily we were in robes and so it didn't really matter a whole lot. But I was I was not off to a great start, uh. <laughs>
0: But we had a big social event.
2: We did. I mean, yeah. like, we
0: weren't wearing robes all morning No, long. no.
2: I I did need something different. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right.
2: Because it was she so She wore obvious. it all around the watermelon picnic
1: just <laughs> wearing her robe It in was the gym. really bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, in like, July. What's up with the weird
1: pastor? <laughs> really loves her robe. Oh, like, she sleeps in it, actually. <laughs> yeah, she, she never takes it off. <laughs> okay, so this is probably obvious, but, like, did you all struggle with these texts? Like, what? What really was really hard for you when you were preparing all these different messages?
0: Um Yeah, so well, we the first thing we should talk about is how we chose the characters. Okay. Right. So we typically we only do um two. And we and we do two because uh it feels important, seems important to give equal time to male characters in scripture and female characters in scripture, even though unfortunately, because these are texts written during patriarchal times, it's hard to find a lot of really highlighted texts of women, is certainly in Old Testament. A little easier in the New Testament, but still not easy. And so um <laughs> you can tell how I feel about Judges, because we didn't start in Judges. <laughs> we started right. with Joshua, but Joshua kind of sets up the the whole the struggle for God's people for the next two two centuries. And um, Joshua was a transition figure from Moses to that, this kind of difficult period of settlement. So um, it seemed obvious that we needed to talk about Deborah. And um, it felt like the right thing to do to give her two weeks because she's such an important, like a kind of a pivotal, uh, do you think that's fair? Is she a pivotal? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So say more about Deborah well yeah
2: general. no so in in general the story of deborah especially in judges it 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 takes up two chapters, but it's a retelling of the same story twice. And the fifth chapter is such an old ancient text. And so if you actually go back and and look at it, that's one of the oldest texts that we have in Scripture is the story of Deborah. Not to mention she's the only female judge. She is named as a judge before we are told of anything she has done to become a judge. Mm -hmm. We're not really told anything of why why a woman is a judge, um, and, but she's also named as a prophet. It just is. And so, especially in the Old Testament, um, but even in the New Testament, for someone to just be a judge and be a woman mm-hmm. is not only not common, it's a, rad- a radical concept. Right. And All she's right. a very different kind of woman. And so, um, so her story's particular. There's so much to take away from it and take out of it that a- absolutely it needed more than one week.
0: Because she is the the woman with the most authority in the entire I mean you, could, you might you might could say canon, but definitely Whoa. in the old testament. Yeah. Right. I mean, like Mary, Jesus' mother, you'd have to mm-hmm. obviously for different theological reasons, she, she would be the preeminent woman in scripture. This is actually a, a this we could do a whole I was
2: raised
0: Catholic. I was about to say, you were raised Catholic, <laughs> right. that's where we are. <laughs> I mean, she is the Theotokos.
2: Mm -hmm. That's true.
0: But anyway, but we're not talking about Mary now. Oh, that means God-bearer. So in Orthodox theology, like she, the reason that Mary holds such an exalted place in Orthodox, Christian Orthodox theology is because she's the bearer of God. So, yeah. And then the Catholic Church has a whole bunch of tradition around Mary that nobody else has, but that's neither here nor there. So Deborah deserved two weeks. And then of all the other... Um, characters and judges. I mean, Samson is kind of the mm. obvious choice because he's got four chapters dedicated to him.
2: Yeah, that's fair.
0: But that got trickier
2: oh as gosh. I reread
0: Samson's story. <laughs> oh my goodness.
2: Samson was rough.
0: So, uh, yeah. Yes, I struggle with all these texts because this, <laughs> yeah. this period in the history of, of our faith is, um, is not an inspiring one.
2: Mm-mm. Yeah.
0: We, I mean, I didn't get into all this <laughs> in a sermon because it's, it's hard to do, but we, like, we occupied land that was not ours. I mean, this this mm-hmm. raises very important mm-hmm. justice questions that um are probably better for, like, Bible study when you can really dig into it and be in conversation. But there's a whole lot of killing, a whole lot yeah. of slaughtering, men, women, and children. Yeah. I mean, it was implied even in our text yesterday from Samson. Right.
2: Yeah. Violence in the name of God. That was all I wrote down to that first question you asked was mercy. Yes, I struggled with this. And part of it was for a sermon series, trying to figure out how to take a text that would be rated R mm-hmm. and make it PG, maybe PG 13. And so there was a lot of the text, as Chris said, that we couldn't even really read because there's so much to unpack. Um, and most of it is not really kid friendly. Mm-hmm. Um And that was interesting even doing Samson on third grade Bible Sunday and, and how talk, talking about how complicated our Bible is. Um, and so I guess what I took away from it in terms of for the series is a renewed sense of, uh, understanding of how complicated our scriptures are and how complicated the people of the Bible are. Sometimes I think we like to come back to those familiar stories and say, Oh, this is just a feel good story and yay, Jesus and yay hope. But really to dig down into these stories that are way more complicated shows us just how complicated we are as human beings. And why does God continue to turn back towards us and, and believe in us? Um, Cause we're given a lot of examples as, as to how we did evil again and again mm-hmm. and again. <laughs> again and, evil. and then it's one more look. time.
1: Um, okay. I want to get to some other, like, I'm going to come back to some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, so in week one, we, as Chris mentioned, we looked at Joshua's like farewell message. And so.
0: And I love that. I love that text. And it's one yeah. of my favorites. So it's too. a really
1: good. Can one of you kind of summarize what, what Joshua is saying? Um, and then Julie, you talked about covenant and I think it goes along with like everyone worships something. So whichever, of, which of you wants to take that?
0: Well, so I think what's interesting. One of the things about that's interesting about that text is it, it probably has a fair amount of later influence mm-hmm. that a later editor added into it. Okay. <clears throat> I don't have any question in my mind that Joshua got everybody together. So look, y'all, <laughs> you're a bunch of yahoos, mm-hmm. and you're, I'm about to go and I'm your last connection to Moses and you, We've really struggled to stay faithful and we have now for 20 years. Um, and if you still struggle with that, it's going to go poorly. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you are faithful, then it'll go better for you. Like in general, that's a good life message. Mm-hmm. The tricky things, the context, right? Cause he's talking about war, <laughs> you right. know, it's going to go well, you're going to dominate your enemies like that. So there's some complicated stuff. Yeah. There. I, I tried, I you know, obviously didn't focus on any of that. But I, but his fundamental message is the same as Moses fundamental farewell message, which is, uh, to choose life, basically. That's what, the way Moses puts it. And, and the way Joshua puts it is choose this day whom you will serve. Um, and what I love about that is he's saying choose this day because <laughs> tomorrow you have to make the same choice and the mm-hmm. day after that you have to make the same choice. And it's very easy to tomorrow make a different choice. And when you don't choose God, then your life is worse. I mean, that's just a, that's a great, that's an easy thing to preach in my opinion.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and so that's from there, I took that idea of the choice and talked about covenant and commitment. And the difference between that and a contract, I think we live in this culture that tells us that everything is transactional. And so I don't need to give you or I don't owe you anything unless you have done something for me. And that's not the covenant that God made with us. And that's not the covenant that we're called to make with our community and with one another. And so how do we make a better commitment both to our faith and to God and to each other than one that is just simply transactional. And I think it goes back to that. Choose every single day to follow Christ choose at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, it's not a one time, um, type of answer or question that you're asking yourself, it's something that you have to go back to over and over again. And with the start of the school year, I thought that that was a great way for us to focus. I never did the New Year's resolutions. I always did them at the start of school. I made my goals and I had my things that I wanted to achieve and the tasks that I wanted to do. I don't know if that was just the school nerd in me, but I thought that it might be a good time, even just as followers of Christ, like, what can we do to recommit once again, um, to our faith. Okay. Um, okay. So the judges is,
1: is this cycle over and over again. We're like, we're good. And then we do evil and we turn away. So how do you see that playing out <laughs> in today's world? Either. I mean, or that's or the human cycle. It's um, the human condition. Okay. So and the thing about judges, judges is, is
0: it's just writ large because in a time when they, when our faith ancestors believed that, um, uh, mercy and grace and guilt and innocence were at the, at the macro level as opposed to the individual level, then it, then when we're a bunch of yahoos, the Philistines conquer us. And when we get it together, then we beat the Philistines. I mean, when you actually read the text, it doesn't really play out that way. Um, but that's the theological overlay. and, um, I mean, it's the same thing like when Paul in Romans says, I do not do the good that I want. I do the evil that I do not want is what I do. It's a little wordy, but that's, the, that's this, that's who we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so to set up the whole conversation with the, with Joshua reminding the people to choose wisely. Um, that is again, that's our eternal struggle and challenge and gift that we get to choose today what we're going to do.
2: Well, and just how hard it is to stop a cycle once it has started or to revert a cycle that so we see this over and over in in the book of judges is the doing evil and the repentance and the deliverance and then the turning back again how quickly and easy it is to get into a cycle and how difficult it is to get out of one and that is certainly our human condition
1: yeah so what do you all think um last year through a few sermons chris you picked you talked about The new stats on people like being involved in church or be like, so we've kind of gotten in this cycle where people aren't going to church, people aren't connected. So, what do you think would help? Is there a way to draw us out of that cycle?
2: Do you think? No,
1: (laughs) there's no way. We're all doomed. We're all doomed. I don't know. I was thinking about that. How, yeah, we've kind of gotten stuck. We've gotten this habit of whether it's not making Sunday a priority or not. I would probably have to study more, like, of like time periods, what made, if there were some increases, if people wanted to be part of church, like mm-hmm. what was it? Was it a national tragedy? I mean, we kind of saw that after September 11th, that right. people came,
2: kind of came to church for a while and then they, I don't know. I just. That's
0: a really good question. Yeah. We definitely
2: um, go through different phases. Have you ever read the book Atomic Habits? Mm-hmm. I was trying to remember how many times does it take to do something before it co- becomes a oh, habit? Gosh. Is it.
0: <clears throat> I don't remember. You know about the Jane clear. Yeah. Now. Um,
2: I wanted to say it was like three weeks, this for some reason, maybe Trinitarian three sticks in my head. And I can't remember if it was three days or three yeah. weeks. But yeah, I mean, the only thing I can come up with is unless we have the discipline um, to start a new routine and to do something different and stick to it, like anything else in our lives, it, it doesn't stick. And we go back to those habitual things that are not actually good for us. And that lead us down that that cycle. Sixty six.
1: Sixty six.
2: Okay. So you have to do something 66 times before it becomes a habit. Sixty six days. Sixty six days. Sixty six days. Oh, there you go. Okay. So put that in church lingo. You need to come to church 66 weeks <laughs> in a row. Says that there's a range. No wonder we don't commit to anything. <laughs> yeah, how, long,
0: how long do you think it takes the average millennial family mm-hmm. to be in church 66 times? On a, for worship, I'm talking about. Oh my gosh! How long do you think that is?
1: Three years until they hit that I'd number. Say about three mm-hmm. years, yeah. If they're Probably coming about 50
2: percent of a year, like if you came every other well, ever sun every other Sunday. But yeah, but most aren't. Most it's yeah. like right. one. Right, yeah. If it's 25,
0: then it'd be like five a and a half years. Five and a half mm-hmm. years for it to become a deeply ingrained habit.
1: All right, I guess I have work to do. <clears throat> <laughs> Step it up. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So we're going to talk about Deborah again. So what made Deborah such a good leader? And we already kind of talked about this, how she was the only, she was the only female judge listed, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, what made her such a good leader?
0: Well, I mean, she was, um, she was a, a faith leader before she was a lead, like a military leader so that. She was already trusted. Well, mm-hmm. it depend- so there's two different versions of her story. The older story is the fifth chapter, which is poetry mm-hmm. and almost impossible to read in some places. And then the <laughs> the more recent, the, la- the later account is the uh, narrative account in chapter four, yeah. which uh, has different details than the poem in the following chapter. Mm-hmm. But the narrative version tells us that she was a, a prophetess. Mm -hmm. Um, like someone who, whose wisdom was trusted because it had a connection to the divine is the way I would explain that. So she was already known to have a connection with God. And so people already, there, there was a trust that had been built up over time, according to the prose account, chapter four. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that helped. And then when she, she told, Barak. It looks like Barak, but it's pronounced Barak. And I looked that up because I wouldn't... I would
2: you did. It's look true. I up
0: all those words, and there are a lot of words in chapter four.
2: <laughs>
0: um, she chose him, but she wasn't intimidated by him. And she said, you're going to do all the work, but a woman's going to get the glory. And she wasn't talking about herself.
2: Yeah, she wasn't even talking about her.
0: Um, That's pretty bold.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then when he said, fine, I'll do it, but you got to come with me. She's like, oh, I'll be there. I'll come with you. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty pretty courageous. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you take the wisdom, you take the boldness, you take the courage, uh, you take her, I mean, all rooted in her connection to God. I think that's what, what made her such a great leader. And Samson was none of those things. Right. (laughs) I mean, he was courageous. I should, I should give him that.
2: Or strong, physically strong. Was he courageous at times? Maybe.
0: Yeah. I mean, he killed that lion just for no reason. That's pretty cool. Lion looked at him wrong. Kind yeah. of cool. But anyway, so Deborah, that I, I, to me, that's what in the prose account we learn makes her um, such a trusted person.
2: Isn't there some translations too that say that uh, when they're talking about Deborah, I believe in chapter four, that one of the translations either of her name or of that second part of her name, that means a fiery woman. Yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, yes. Wife of Lapidoth. Yes. That phrase, like a lot of Hebrew, doesn't make any sense. Right. And so it could also mean fiery woman. But her name also means bee, right?
2: Right, like a bee that sting you. Yeah.
0: There's a lot going on with there.
2: Well, and I think that's so fascinating about Deborah is nowhere in the narrative in either chapter is she described as nurturing. When you think of all of the things that you normally ascribe to women, Mm -hmm. and she's called the mother of Israel at one point. So, again, you think... Oh, she's probably nurturing and, 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 and super caring in that way. Um, and, and yet she's a fiery woman. She's one that is not intimidated easily. She's one that is very clear and articulate. Um, but no, she's not timid. She's not nurturing. She's not questioning of herself. Um, and especially again during this time in biblical history when women were property that that is a huge distinction to make, especially for a woman.
1: That's interesting. I think that's, um, I'm sure you've seen the t-shirts or the t-shirts and the things that are like, um, you want me to be like a biblical woman? I'm going to be like Deborah, Yeah, you know? because I think we're taught to be like a good biblical woman. You're quiet. <laughs> not like mm-hmm. the proverbs. Yeah. The proverbs, so you know, you you're or... submissive, like all that. And so to say, that's interesting that she's not described as nurturing mm-hmm. and yet the mother of Israel. Right. Like. I don't
2: know. That's, I don't know. That's really. Yeah. She, she, uh, to me seems more like a really intense soccer mom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah. Or softball mom. Or Or softball Yeah. You know,
2: there you go. Um, I think it's interesting that you said, so
1: her piece is one of the oldest and I believe Miriam's song was like one of the other oldest, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And then she was a prophetess. And so I think Mm -hmm. it's interesting that both Deborah and her. Have very, very ancient pieces, and that are um, described as such strong leaders. And yeah. we kind of, when you name, like, think of those top characters as leaders. Like, you probably wouldn't think of Deborah always yeah. unless you really well. Know and your
2: Bible. I just wish we had her origin story. I mean, don't you Deborah, just want to yeah. know, like, oh, yeah. I want to know about her parents, I want to know, mm-hmm. like what was she like at 13 and kind of like the wonder woman origin story. Mm -hmm. I just want to know what Deborah Mm -hmm. was like. And we're not, we're not told any, any of that.
1: No. So the battles, all the battles in the Bible, all the killings, how do you explain that to people? Literal? What, what do we do with those kinds of stories?
0: Oh, there was a lot of killing.
1: Yeah. So much
2: killing. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, historically for sure. Um, yeah. So, to me, it's not the existence of the battles and the killing that is, is as problematic. I mean, that's historical. You know what I mean? That's how you resolve problems or conflicts back in the day. It's the um, attribution to God mm-hmm. of the desire to kill. <laughs> that's the problem mm-hmm. to me. And um, you know, we're not a Methodist, so it's, what is it, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. So is it that God changed? Or is it that, that our understanding of God changed? And obviously, I would argue that it's our understanding of God that changed. I, like, I, I just cannot envision the God revealed in Jesus Christ would say, "Okay, you're going to take Jericho." We're going back pre Judges mm-hmm. right now, but you're going to take Jericho, and you got to kill everybody—men, women, children, old, old people, mm-hmm. donkeys, dogs, everything. Everything's got to die. And if not, then you're going to be cursed. Like, I—I <laughs> I I mean, uh, that's a different. That, that would be a different god than is revealed in the New testament and so um the the thing about scripture is that it's um to me i think a, a way to understand it is just like we say uh maybe not just as but we say jesus is fully human and fully divine scripture is human and divine as well like god is revealed through scripture um, by the power of the holy spirit as we interpret it the Holy Spirit certainly inspired those writers, but there's also a fair amount of humanity in there. And there, I mean, there's probably four chapters in Judges that you could pull out and say, my God, that there's very little of God in the story of Jephthah's daughter. Yeah. Right. So then, then what? <laughs> well, then, that, I mean, you can look and see the humanity in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's the same argument we would make with. Uh, Uh, Women in leadership in the church in the New Testament era. So did tribes kill one another when they were trying to decide who got to live where? Oh, 100%. Are the numbers exaggerated? 100%. -hmm. Because if you just do the math, like there wouldn't be no people in existence left in the promised land were they like reagan
2: the were they not good at math in school yeah probably. <laughs> <laughs> good writers not good at math
0: <laughs> well in all seriousness though there is like in scripture when you exaggerate numbers like when you say somebody's 900 years old you're probably not being literal you're probably right. saying they're very old mm-hmm. um so i my my quarrel is and on a day we the day after we gave out third graders their Bibles. Mm -hmm. Like I made the point yesterday, there's plenty in scripture, certainly a story of Samson that needs to come with a content warning. Like you need to sit and read this with your child and and help them understand what they're reading. Yeah, But I just don't believe God said kill all the women and children. I guess Mm -hmm. that's just not making sense to me.
2: Yeah. I think that we, we as Christians get into a problematic place when we go to the Bible thinking and believing that the Bible only tells us about who God is, not about who we are as God's people. Um, and so books like the book of Judges are more of a reflection in a mirror than they are an understanding of God. Um, because I mean, as Chris said, we would just walk away with it thinking that God was a completely opposite entity than the God that we see in the new Testament I just don't know how you can put the two next to each other without seeing that people were changing and people's understanding of God was changing in the midst of all of that. Okay?
0: Which opens up a whole other line of conversation. <laughs> as <laughs> as people change and people and our understanding of the world changes, our understanding of ourselves and our relationships with each other changes. Well, then we read the Bible in a in a new way and we believe that that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And if we need like any authority to Have told us that it was Jesus himself who said mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Mm-hmm. Um, which assumes that he, the, the like in his own time, um, we, God had not finished revealing new things,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a good good reminder. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so one week we already talked about this was more of a poetry, and one was like a narrative, I guess. Mm-hmm. You do Prose. not. Pros, you don't really like poetry. Julie really likes poetry. I know. So, does that dictate like Are there some part to the Bible that you're like, oh, I don't like to read that because it's too much poetry fluff? Or how do y'all <laughs> like the two of you? What do you think?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't hate poetry. I just don't love poetry. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I if I was choosing between the two, mm-hmm. like I'm never gonna pick up a. Book book of poetry and read it i'm gonna read a novel but that's just my own personal temperament but it's in the bible so it's important it's just hard to understand i mean that that fifth chapter is there my 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 bible commentary <laughs> said this is a class this is a masterpiece of ancient literature It now, is. now you can't understand half of it I'm like uh, yeah there you go that's just that's, that's poetry that's exactly a great definition of poetry mr commentary writer
2: yeah yeah I can say my favorite book in the Bible is definitely not like Deuteronomy that you know just goes <laughs> through favorite. all the different all the different rules i mean I think the more um uh, the more you spend time on one particular verse or one particular way of saying something um it just i think it hits your ears a little different and so uh I like to do uh sort of the lectio Divina style of of uh of devotional where you read the scripture and I like to pick out scriptures that are often more poetic or seen as poetry because there's different words that will jump out on, off the page for me. So I'd say probably Psalms is my favorite. Okay. Um, there's a lot there, but um
0: now if we need a tiebreaker though, Jesus spoke oh, in stories, not poetry.
2: It's oh. not. Uh-oh. Jesus didn't speak in poetry. So, so, therefore 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 it is, is it is below <laughs> <laughs> um
0: i do love the psalms but it's um i don't know it's the old poetry like uh, uh po- the prophets my god there's so much po- like yeah. prophetic poetry there that i'm like y'all just need to come out and say it Stop stop
2: okay but jesus stop doing quotes this stop doing this stop doing this so if jesus quotes the prophets in the, in
0: the context of you know, parables and narratives. So
2: that's fair. But so, if Jesus quotes poetry, can we say that Jesus Was poetry? liked poetry?
0: I think we can say Jesus felt the same way of poetry about poetry as I do.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Wow, strong opinion. Yeah,
2: and then there's the rest of it that just makes no sense. You're not even going to get that. So here's the part. <laughs>
1: yeah. Here's the relevant part. Here's <laughs> right? the relevant exactly. part. I, the main idea. It, yeah, I do think it's funny that your Bible did say, like, it's such a classic, but like hard done. like.
0: It, it, literally, I was reading, I, I was quoting from the HarperCollins Bible commentary it was with its poetic images and its creative language and something else something else something else it's mm-hmm. a masterpiece truly a masterpiece
1: yeah I can't how,
0: understand half of it right. but it's a literary masterpiece that's how
1: I feel like a lot of movies like at Academy Awards time that oh, listen, I'm like listen I'm like does anyone actually like this no. movie or they're just saying oh it was exactly.
0: exactly
1: that's how I feel about Wes
0: Anderson movies I hate oh, oh yeah I don't get mic it mic drop I nice. don't I Ooh. know
1: I'm sorry Ashley's Ashley, gonna run us out of the room I don't like
0: Ashley's like get out of my booth <laughs> <laughs>
1: There are things that people I'm like, does anyone actually like that or like certain
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: or like certain we are art of the people. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's like movies or certain art that I'm like, this actually doesn't say that. When they're like, this piece actually symbolizes the conflict between I'm like, No, it doesn't. It's a blue blob. That's what it, is. S- <laughs> what it is. I will
2: say I feel that way sometimes with Kyle in music. Kyle will hear things oh. that I just can't hear. In a million years.
0: Jazz is the poetry yes. of music.
2: Yes. And he loves jazz.
0: Most musicians do.
2: I know. Right. I don't get it.
0: They hear things that we normal people don't hear.
2: Commoners. <laughs> I am empty inside. So
0: off, off mic, Ashley is roasting the three of us.
2: That's
1: fine. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, moving on. Okay. So Julie, when you're talking about Deborah, you drew on the idea that Deborah gets in the arena. Can you talk about how you explained that part of your sermon?
2: Yeah. So one of my favorite quotes is a Teddy Roosevelt quote that talks about getting in the arena. So
0: it's some, not it's not the critic. Who it counts. is not
2: the critic who counts. It's the one who gets in the arena. Mm. And so one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, took the last piece of that quote from Teddy Roosevelt about daring greatly. It's the one who, even if though they fail, fail daily, daring greatly. And- That was the image that kept coming to my mind with Deborah when Bayrick, when she tells Bayric to go to this battle and he looks back at her and says, Well, I'm not going unless you go. She had all the reason in the world to say, Well, that's not my job. Right, exactly. You're the general. You get out there. You do what I have told you to do. Go on right ahead. But instead, she gets in the arena. And I think that, um, especially for people of faith, um, when we step out or step up in our faith in some way, um we're not only uh following Jesus more closely, but we're also understanding what it's like to be in the arena, to actually dare greatly, and that's that is the image that kept coming to my mind with Deborah. Okay. Um
1: okay, so what was on the cutting room floor for the story of Deborah? <laughs>
0: <laughs> A very important part of the story. It's yeah.
2: so good. Yeah.
0: It's so like an, a central part of the story we took out entirely, which was fine. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could preach, a lot of ways you could preach this story, Deborah, but there was a, so the the general of Jabin's army in in the fourth chapter, because Jabin doesn't show up in the fifth chapter. Jabin is the Canaanite king who uh, Deborah and Barak are rising up against with, in the fourth chapter, it's two tribes <laughs> in the poem, it's, Five, six, tribe, six tribes, mm-hmm. six <clears> tribes. <throat> and Sisera is his foreign, like mercenary general who's leading the chariots. Now the chariots also were like, so the, the Israelites did not master iron working until the monarchy. So like 200 years later. So these chariots with their iron uh, wheels were a significant strategic advantage. And so Sisera just assumed that they were going to whoop the Israelites. No problem. They, they always had. So, in the poem version of the story, we hear that it rains. Is that right? No, the prose. The prose version is Yeah, it's the prose version. I tells think. us that it rains.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the two. I'm getting them conflated in my head. But
2: Well, uh, clearly one's more, more poetic than the other. <laughs> so,
0: whichever <laughs> one's more one was rainy.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, the rain comes down, the chariots get stuck in the mud, and the prose version tells us that only Sisera survives. He takes off and runs, and a woman named J L J A E L um, offers him hospitality. So basically, says you can hide in, in my tent, and she gives him milk, like warm milk. Isn't that in the story?
1: Yeah, and Tylenol PM.
0: We'll <laughs> some cookies. Like she, like she, <laughs> she offers him a place of refuge, and then while he's asleep, mm-hmm. she takes a tent peg and drives it through his skull. <laughs>
2: Do you have a sound effect for that, Ashley?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, I think the most beautiful part of the poem is the description of Sisera's mother Mm -hmm. um, waiting for him to come home. Because to me, that humanizes the experience of war. Like, yes, he's a bad guy. Yes, he's the Mm -hmm. general of the bad guys. Yes, he's killed a lot of Israelites, but he is somebody's son. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But we left all that out because it's really hard to, like, we're a family program. Is what I keep Mm -hmm. saying in the sanctuary. For the same reason, we took out a whole bunch of Samson stuff. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Samson, the first, I was going to do the him defeating the Philistines, which is kind of what what his thing is. But there was not a whole lot of theology in that Philistine thing. Also, he didn't do it because he loves God. Did it because he was mad at him.
2: Yeah, yeah. At the end of that that particular scripture, he says, "Um, "I'm thirsty." Are you now going to let me die by being thirsty? God, give me something to drink. It's, it, it, it's just very entitled. I mean, there's, there's no sort of glory be to God for this victory. No. It is, um, I want some water now. Yeah. So let's talk about Sam's. I think if you were to like
1: survey people that, um, grew up in the church, I feel like Samson was just always like, oh, yeah, he was the hero. He's a big friendly guy. Yeah. yeah. Right? Oh,
0: my gosh. Yes.
1: Like, he was yes. the fun, like, just super, like you said, kind of
2: like superhero. He's like a superhero. Uh, what's the guy's name in Moana? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Maui. Yes. Yeah. Great. Uh You're welcome.
2: What can
1: I say except you're welcome? Is that not Maui? Maui.
0: Maui. Okay. There you go. There it is. Yeah.
1: Nice. Um, but, yeah, that's how you feel, like. And then you read
0: or like and you, Hercules. Hercules. Yes. Hercules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, and I movie. always knew like this,
1: the story with Delilah was a little, which we can talk about Risque. was a little, but like, I still was like, oh yeah, Samson was someone you wanted to like be like, and then you reread it. You're like, oh no.
0: <laughs> so, no, I mean, that's the point I made yesterday in the sermon. Why do our, of all the, there are more than 3000 characters in the old Testament mm-hmm. and I get it. He's strong. He has great hair mm-hmm. and he's powerful or whatever. Yeah, but that's the guy we're going to highlight with our kids. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so well, let's... and I think that we talk about Samson so much more than we talk about Deborah. Oh, for sure. I don't remember. I, I didn't have any memories of the story of Deborah as a child, but I have, I have vivid memories of coloring books and Bible stories of Samson mm-hmm. that were very um, unlike the actual truth of yeah. the story.
0: Now, in the Revised Common Lectionary, Samson's story didn't appear. The only story in judges that appears Deborah. Is, is Deborah. That's
2: true. And it's okay. only the
0: first seven verses they also leave out the jail mm-hmm. and Cicero stuff.
2: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Okay. So we kind of talk about Samson's different from Deborah because he's vengeful. like doesn't really it's not faith, it's not any sort of thing. Um so Samson's flaws, talk about Samson's flaws and then talk about stuff that she didn't uh cutting room floor stuff of Samson.
2: I don't know if it's because I have a son, Chris, you can maybe talk about this too, but I just want better for Samson because he stands in his own way over and over again. The person that gets in Samson's way is Samson. Um, His flaw is that he doesn't listen to God. He doesn't do what God tells him to do. He follows his own gut. He follows his own instincts. He follows whatever... His whim is to do whatever his whim tells him to do. And so there's this constant frustration with Samson throughout the scripture because it's why he ends up in the position that he ends up in um, and loses the ultimate battle um, is because he's the one that is in his own way. Thoughts?
0: You asked me his flaws?
2: Yeah,
1: flaws. What was on the cutting room floor? Anything you want to? Add to Samson.
0: Well, I I mean last week I was rethinking even choosing him.
2: Yeah. I kind of thought maybe we should do Gideon. And then I thought, no, nah, I don't know that I like him more than Samson. Let's just do a third week of Deborah. <laughs> Stay with Deborah.
0: <laughs> so <clears throat> I mean, all that's true about Samson. He's um you know, he's I don't know. It's tough because he's he's called to be a Nazirite. We're not even really sure what Nazarite means. And not in his context. And he was definitely good at killing Philistines and, um, Philistines were the bad guys. So to that, to that extent, he was uh, functional. <laughs> he was useful for the people, but he wasn't a judge. Like no. when you, when you dig into the commentary and you read those four chapters, it, it's most likely that Samson was a, like a, folk hero like a i mean there surely was a historical samson but all this kind of legend grew up around him Mm -hmm. um and so they included him in this in this series of stories because he was so well known he's so so much so uh significant a part of the kind of folk culture or whatever but he was not (laughs) he didn't issue any wise decisions he didn't lead anybody he didn't Rally the troops. I mean, like he, all he did was kill Philistines. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the angle that I chose to, or the theology that I chose to unpack from that was that God still used him in his imperfection. God, God still responded to his prayer at the end. Um, so that he killed lots of Philistines. I, you know, it's mm-hmm. complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um,
0: but I am glad he doesn't show up in the lectionary. Yeah, and it does too. make me wonder. Like when you Google Samson cartoons, mm-hmm. there are there's lots and lots of options, including this innocent looking Veggie shot tells? of Samson and Delilah. Well, VeggieTales got the whole thing too Samson's I bad day.
1: Samson's bad. I'm like, how did they do that? I need to go back and watch that. Yeah.
0: yeah, I don't know either.
1: Huh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, so. As you were kind of ending your summer with Samson, you were talking about how even though he was flawed, God could still use him. So, um, I started thinking about how people may say that about people that maybe make bad choices or are not as like, have the morals that we think or uh, whatever. And we're like, well, God's still using them. Mm-hmm. Like, could that be turned used wrongly? Or oh my what? gosh.
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. All the time. A hundred percent. Okay. You, you could abuse that. Yeah. Yeah. My, my point was, like you have to make, you have to kind of, um, if you're going to read this story and have it be edifying in some way, specifically the four chapters on Samson, you have to accept the cultural, um, I'm going to say milieu, but that sounds like something a poet would say, <laughs> like <laughs> the cultural context. Okay. Because the assumption is Philistines equal bad. Mm-hmm. And they've oppressed God's people for 40 years, and so anyone who, um, in uh who injures or inflicts damage upon this enemy of God's people is good. Now, all of our theology is updated with Jesus, right? So once you get to the Sermon on the Mount, all bets are off. You got to reinterpret everything. But in the day when the people were trying to to uh to live fully in this land that they had been promised by God. The Philistines weren't people who lived there when they got there. The Philistines were people who moved in after they got there and were a conquering people as well. And so in that context, there was no better person in more effective person in judges at killing Philistines. You have to accept that that's the standard Mm -hmm. (laughs) in order to read it in its own context. So, um, we can have a whole kind of meta theological conversation about whether or not that's good or bad and how, how the theology, the Christian theology would reevaluate that, which is part of the problem. Well, like bad theology mm-hmm. in modern times, in my opinion, reads those old Testament texts as they, as though they can be pasted into our context and yeah. e- mm-hmm. and be equal, equal. Mm-hmm. They can't clearly. Um, but Samson was somebody who was called by God in the, kind of the same way Isaac was and kind of the same way Samuel was, or at least the story, uh, stories are parallel. And despite all the things that he did wrong, including letting Delilah cut his hair because he was annoyed that she was asking so many times. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how capricious he is. Um, still in the end, he was able to, uh, ease the oppression of the Philistines on the Israelites for 20 years. That's Yeah. That's it.
2: Yeah. I mean, because there's still a story of redemption for him. Okay. So yeah, talk about that. Yeah. So I think that's what there there is that sort of through line for Samson that is uh, different maybe than other people in the Bible or, or, or different from the phrase of saying, oh, well, you know, God uses imperfect people is that... It takes Samson a long time and a lot of flaws, and getting his hair cut and losing his strength and becoming the mockery of the Philistines um, to actually turn to God. But the very end of the story, he finally turns to God, recognizing that it would cost him his own life. But if God would give him his strength one more time, he could take down the Philistines in this area and in so also killing himself. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it is this sort of sacrificial act at the very end that really is seen kind of as a tragedy. And so, you know, there's redemption in it, but it's also a tragedy because we, we see both the, um the very human element of Samson's flaws, but we also see the very uh real willingness and faithfulness of, to do it differently, um, even at a really high cost.
1: Hmm. Okay. Okay. So overall, what do you think you two are going to take from this book of judges and how can it teach us to still invest and read some of these
2: harder stories? Well, I've already cut the pages out of my Bible. Was <laughs> I not supposed to do that? Just them out. <laughs> Whoops. Don't need those. So I came into this series, I'll, I'll be honest, a little bit cocky because I Took a class in seminary that was just on the book of judges. I was like, oh yeah, I, uh, Roy Heller, uh, Dr. Heller, uh, did a book of judges class. And, um, and so I, I thought, oh, I know about judges. I know, I know how I'm going to do this. And diving into those scriptures again, which I hadn't done in five plus years, not showing my age here. Mm-hmm helped me to remember why it's important to deal with texts that are complicated and that are hard. Um, I think oftentimes we would rather avoid the things that are hard. We would rather avoid the conversations that are hard. We would rather avoid the topics that are hard. Um, and so even, even our human nature tells us just to sort of avoid that sort of stuff, just to either flee away from it or freeze, or just completely ignore it altogether. Um, But what we get when we dig into those really hard topics and go to those difficult places is a much richer faith, a better understanding of ourselves, and a better understanding of who God is. Um, I often said when I was in seminary that I thought I was going to go to seminary to get all of my questions answered, and it was like an ever-growing circle. I just had more questions when I left, but I also felt like my faith was much richer when I left as well. And so the questions aren't something that we should avoid or run from because they're hard. It's actually something we should dive into deeper because it's difficult. And God calls us to that, that complicated nature and to that seeking. Okay. Chris, what about you?
0: Yeah, man, that's a good way to put, that's a good way to I put a ball on the, on the series. I mean, um, I, to me, I, I ended with a strong, Emphasis on spirituality of imperfection because it's been such an important part of my own journey. Um, and I think like <laughs> this 200 year period of struggle is, uh, different than later in some ways. But then when we get into the kings, when we get into the monarchy, um, <laughs> I mean, a lot
2: it, of familiars. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I mean, it, yes, exactly. It, it kind of the similar patterns show up and similar imperfections in. Royal, quote unquote, royal leaders show up, and the consistent, like one one thing is consistent, and that is that faith in God is life giving,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and lack of it is extremely problematic, and can show up in in a lot of different ways. Um, I do not feel differently about the Book of Judges than when we started. (laughs) And I, you know, I appreciate the importance of Deborah. Um, those two chapters don't give us a whole lot. Um, and I, uh, Julie and I joked all month long, like this is a one and done on this text, one and done on this text, one and done on this text. <laughs> uh, and I still kind of feel that way about it. I mean, I, but I'm glad that we had a chance to, to highlight, um, imp- in Deborah's case and Joshua's case, important characters in Samson's case, memorable characters who challenge us to, to think more deeply about God, about our relationship with God, about our relationships with each other.
1: Yeah. All right. So we're not going to repeat judges for like Advent <laughs> or somehow. <laughs> no. I mean, if you really want to, you can go for it, Reagan. <laughs> okay. All
0: right. So what's coming up? What's um, next?
1: So what's next is, we have our 50th anniversary celebration. Yeah, be fun. woo So yesterday, today, and forever. So it'll be a great three-week series. Um, we've got uh, specific music that was composed. Yeah, premiering. Commissioned, world premiering. Premiering. Yeah. Um, we've got the bishop preaching at the end and all of our founding pastors, which I've been joking about. as like having all the living presidents <laughs> in the same room. So. Um, and,
0: we'll, and we'll all take different cars to get here.
1: Yep. Um, and uh no it's gonna be a great month of celebration it will uh it's gonna be uh looking back on our history and then just getting excited about our future so it's gonna be a really good month
0: fantastic all right julie welcome thanks really glad to have you and uh appreciate you guys listening and we'll be back in a few weeks with another edition of off script god bless you
2: thanks for joining us for this episode of off script it was hosted by Rev. Chris Dowd and Rev. Reagan Gilland. produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.